0: Well, hello. Welcome to the Christian Contrast Podcast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. I'm joined by Phil Shabazz. Great to have you on this episode. Always good to hang with you, man. Uh, I'm excited because we're going to be talking about our identity in Christ. And that's something that's important to all of us as believers. But it, for you, in many ways, and what you bring to our church, it seems to be a theme—just um, sort of a, a drum that you like to bang. Yeah. Something that you've talked about with the college students mm-hmm. I know, as you've just mm-hmm. got started yeah, with just that. Recently. Mm-hmm. So that's been a real important theme in your life and in your ministry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. As college, we spent three weeks just talking about what it means to have identity in Christ, and I had a big smile on my face a couple weeks ago because you used my verse, man. That's you right. pulled it out, Ephesians two ten, and it's all yeah. our verse. But yeah, Ephesians two ten. If folks watching or or listening to this don't know, it's for we are God's workmanship or handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He prepared for us in advance to do. And to me, um, this verse has become a really sort of just sort of a cornerstone in terms of what it means to have our identity in Jesus. So number one, and so in college we we took three weeks to break that verse down into three parts. We are God's handiwork, and we referred to Psalms, Psalm one thirty nine where. Um, where, where, where the Psalms specifically talks about how God knows every hair in our head, how he hemmed us in, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And um, the, these verses, and, and Paul calls out a reminder that you are not made on an assembly line. You are not a mistake. You are not an afterthought. You were created intelligently in an act of love by a God who loves you, which means that you have value. And so if you're looking in the mirror and seeing somebody that you don't like, and that could be because of a number of things, dude. It could be because of our life experience, the way people have treated us, the way we have been raised, the way our parents talk to us. Maybe they talk down to us all our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of pain that we can carry into that mirror. And we might see somebody we don't like looking back at us. And it's a tragedy. But scripture tells us something very, very different. It tells us that God loves you and has value in you. And the second part of that verse, created in Christ Jesus, um, this is the most important part to me because Christ's sacrifice unlocks that value and gives you the ability not only to value yourself, but to value the people around you. And so if you can think of your life experience and just know that of all the things I've been through, there's so many people that, that won't understand what's happening with me. Mm-hmm what I've gone through, all the difficulties I've had, they just judge me on the surface. And that second part of that verse in Christ Jesus, if, if Jesus can sacrifice for me, I can sacrifice even just a little bit of what I want to see past the surface into somebody else's pain and understand who they are and God, how God has made them. And then ultimately, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared for in advance for us to do. And that is a reminder that, uh, that we can do wonderful things for god's glory we're gifted to do wonderful things for god's glory and they're already prepared for in advance it's there it's there for the taking um but we have to first totally understand that we are valued by a god who loves us that other people have value and christ's sacrifice unlocks our ability to value them and then as a result this world of being able to do wonderful things and good things in the name of jesus christ is then open for us
0: yeah, and, and one of the things that's so huge about just walking through that, that w- what you talked about is um, the idea that as Christians, we believe that our identity and our significance is something that's been gifted to us. Yeah. It's not something that we've manufactured or earned. It's not like, all right, if you finally get to the point that you earn a million dollars, then you're valuable. If you finally get to the point that you make your basketball team or yeah. get a book published, it's, it's something gifted to us from God and that we embrace as a gift from him. Yeah. And what we, well, we're eventually... We're, we're going to talk about identity in general and some sort of competitors yeah. to identity because one of the things that goes on is, is we were invited as believers to live in the reality that you talked about. Yeah. The reality we, we are adopted... We are forgiven. Mm -hmm. We are beloved. Um, I loved what you talked about with Psalm 139. We are known. Mm -hmm. God is not sort of like, well, you can stay around, but then he might find something out about us and cast (laughs) us. We we live in the security of all that. We're welcome to bring our prayers to him. We get to live in the beauty of that. But we are, as, as human beings, we are obsessed with identity. For sure. You know? as as evidenced by on any social media or, or internet site you know find out which avenger you are right you know find out which disney princess right. find out which harry potter you know we yeah. we constantly are thinking you know taking personality tests you know strength finder enneagram all all of this stuff we 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 know that this is important and so let's just talk about because we know it's important we got our eyes open and we're looking around to try to figure out ways that we can embrace an identity that we think will make us secure yeah we want our identity to be in Christ. Let's talk a little bit about what are some of the competitors that we might be tempted to find our identity in instead right. of Christ? Well,
1: the language is tough. We don't like to use it, but we all want to be valued. And we want to, we all want to feel like we mean something. And then on top of that, we all want to feel safe. Um, we don't always want to be on the defense. And so as a result, we are constantly... or. Even subconsciously, always looking for that safe place, for a tribe even. So you and I, when we're not talking about, uh, about the church and about worship services and that kind of thing, oftentimes you and I will talk about sports and we'll talk about movies. Sports is one of those things where um, you get your team, you can sell your life to that team. Right? You can sell your finances to to buy the gear, to buy season tickets, to follow them around the country. And we love sports. We love we love following it. And the Dodgers have a big game tomorrow. My White Sox just lost last week. Now, if I had missed out it work today and the White Sox day-to-day was taking over my life, you'd clearly see that my identity is wrapped in this. Now, those are uh, those are on the surface examples of much larger a much larger issue where, dude, we can sell our identity to our work.
0: Absolutely. Defines
1: us who we are. Um, we can sell our identity to a number of things. And I'm sure you've seen this as you've talked to people yeah. as well. Yeah,
0: well, and work is a big one. And actually, I, I think we'll we'll revisit that a little bit later. You know, finding our identity in what we do for a living, mm-hmm. finding our identity um, in our family, mm-hmm. which is a good gift from God, but sometimes there's a role that we play in our family. Like, all right, well, I'm the one that makes sure everybody's safe. I'm the way, one that makes sure everybody's fed. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that makes sure we have fun. I'm the, and, and you start to, it, it can start as a kid where you're sort of like, all right, amongst all the kids, I'm the funny one. Yeah. Or I'm the one that is insightful. Um, and, and so it can be in a group of friends. like I It's funny, I've told this story before and people misunderstand where I'm going front with it. But I remember in college, I had a great group of friends, yeah. loved them. Um, there was this guy named Mitch who started hanging out with our, and kind of endeared himself to our group. Yeah. And, uh, and he, um, he brought another friend in who was just visiting for the day and he was introducing each of us to this friend. And so you kind of get a taste of how he sees each of us. Yeah. And, uh, when it was my turn, he turned to his friend and he said, this is my friend, Dan. He's the most sarcastic guy I've ever met. Now here's the funny thing people hear that and they kind of do what you did they kind of wince like oh that must have hurt that wasn't my reaction at all i was thrilled okay because i felt like i actually Mm -hmm. have something distinct and identifiable about me that makes me stand out from other people sure i was like i'll take it yeah um and, and so i think to me that was just an emblem of saying sometimes we're so desperate for for a sense of worth and value and significance that we don't even care if it's something great we will just grab onto something like right, that right and the world tells us to absolutely and and so like you're saying we, we do it with work we do it with our sports teams sometimes it gets into issues of race or sexual identity sure. where where there's just a sense of now i know who my tribe is mm-hmm. now i know how to define myself and describe myself mm-hmm. there's a powerful pull for that in many different ways i think depending on the circles we're in and maybe depending on some of just our personality inclinations, it, it's going to determine where we're searching and where we're most tempted to identify ourselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, the uh, th- there is like a, a little bit of a fine line here, in as much as the world is telling us to go try and find your identity and, um, and make it anything other than faith in Jesus. Um, yet at the same time, there's a fine line because if we are... Created, if we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and we truly believe that He's placed talents and gifts inside of us that allow us to glorify Him, that means that we can nearly in any place we go, anything we choose to do, we can create an act of worship and we don't have to be at church even. So um, oftentimes we think of worship, we think of singing through music and and worshiping through music, but um, Dan, like if If I learn that I'm good at science and I'm attracted to science and it's clear that I understand science and I go to science class and I do my best to learn and understand science, I'm learning and understanding the language that God has created to be able to describe the universe. That is an act of worship. When I go to my construction job and I put the best day of work into what I am doing that day, it is an act of worship. There are so many different ways that I can honor God through the strengths and talents He gave me in the place that I am, in the place that I live. But we are so tempted, not only, like you said, with sports and work and family, um, but with other things such as uh, race and sexual identity, uh, political ideology, Absolutely. et cetera.
0: Absolutely, and and I think and, and you're bringing up something that's significant, which is many of these things that we're talking about as competitors, they're things that are going to be a part of our lives. You know, the 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 solution to making sure that you don't find your identity in, in your work is not don't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the solution to not finding your identity in a role that you play in your family or your friends isn't have nobody in your life. Absolutely not. So so we've got to wrestle with that, and and part of what what I thought maybe this will be a natural transition is just to talk about this and say. Let's talk about the stakes of why this is so important. Um, when when you talk, you use the example of the White Sox and you know, we, we've all, we sports fans have all had times that we're bummed out about our teams. And we recognize there's a way of that. That's totally fine and fun and appropriate. And then there's a way that's, that's not appropriate and it's out of order. Um, what are the stakes of the kinds of things that could happen in our lives? if we don't have our identity solidly grounded in Christ, but instead we, we latch onto a counterfeit. We latch onto something that's a competitor. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: I think, and I, I want to hear from you as well, Dan, but I truly believe that Satan knows what works on you, hmm. and he knows what works on me. Um, he knows what works on every single one of us and is going to use whatever works on you or whatever works on me to separate us from Christ. Because if he can separate us from Christ he can isolate us. And if he can isolate us, he can hammer us with all the bad, negative things we have heard over our lives and make sure that we don't believe in ourselves. And if we don't believe in ourselves, we cannot believe that there's a God who loves Mm us. And he can, can successfully separate us from Christ. And God is a pillar, dude. He stands right there. He is firm. It's us who get pulled away or tempted away and then we have to find a way to claw ourselves back towards him. But it really, truly begins with truly an understand, understanding that there is value in my life. That value comes from my faith in Jesus.
0: Yeah. And, and this might be, feel like a funny thing to put on, but you know, one of the things that this might make me weird. One of the things that I do when I'm people watching, which is not a lot, but sometimes I do just sort of observe what's going on, um, is I'll look at couples, you know, yeah. like a guy and a girl, and especially if they're a younger couple, sort of like... Because I remember being that age and being so nervous around girls, and they'll just sort of watch how they interact. And one of the things that I feel like I've observed is being able to tell on sight by body language and by conduct the difference between a guy who knows who he is and a guy who doesn't know who he is. Absolutely. Just watching the way that he's in. Inter- and, and, and sometimes I'm looking at him I'm like, this guy is desperate for this girl. You know, this 16-year-old old guy is desperate for this girl. Mm-hmm to tell him who he is because he doesn't know who he is and he's nervous and his shoulders are up and then watching other guys and being like, gosh, I wish when I was 17, I was like that, that the sense of security that you're able to give to others when you know who you are. Yeah. And one of the scary things because as you talked about, I think one of the scary things when our identity is somewhere else is that um, we'll have times that we fail and then we'll be crushed. Mm -hmm. I mean, just as a side thing, I, I was sharing with some guys about, there was a season of time where if I gave a sermon that I thought wasn't up to snuff, I, I was devastated hard. for days. Mm-hmm. And the Lord had to really work with me on that to say, hey, I've called you to give sermons, but not to live and die on your own performance. Mm-hmm. But to me, one of the other things that's scary is when we succeed in mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so so broadly speaking, you know, men tend to identify themselves with their work very mm-hmm. closely. Mm-hmm. Some, some women do too, but men... For us, it's, it's a big part of how we see ourselves. Yeah. Um, man, when men retire, the stats are not good. Oh, man. We struggle. We're not sure what to do. We die often long before our wives do. Right. That There's this sense of, I've invested myself in it, and maybe I was very successful and lauded yeah. for it. Um, whereas what you see, I think, more frequently with, with women than men, especially in, in the context of a family, is you got a mom who has poured her life out for her kids, raise them, love them, they know that they're loved and taken care of. And man, when those kids are gone, she doesn't know what to do, right. And either she's gonna look to to smother everybody and and keep everybody around, or there's just this sense of lostness. Mm-hmm. So one of the scary things is you can you can latch on something and you can succeed in it, right. And everybody can see you that way and see you as successful, right. But the destructiveness, the crisis that comes when, you're at a point that that can no longer sustain yeah. your identity. Yeah. That's terrifying.
1: Yeah, and 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 there's you know f- for those of us who have the, who who are out there working, there is absolute value in being able to work for a place that you enjoy. Um, but the ultimate value comes in not making the work part of your life who you are. Um, my hope, Dan, is to always be able to see what I do for a living as. uh uh, the bits and pieces of sacrifices that i make to love my family and provide for my family at the end of the day if i'm going to realize ephesians 5 in the life of my family or my wife for example um, my life is meant to be a sacrifice for my wife right that's what my life is meant to be and also to be a sacrifice for my children if i'm going to reflect jesus in my life it's going to start with them and so my hope is is that if i'm going to choose to work overtime i'm going to choose to work overtime because there is a benefit for them um, not because I want to stay away from the house. Right. And once you, once you get there, you know you have to reevaluate. And also just uh, briefly to, to just double back on something you were talking about in terms of uh, identity. Um, oftentimes, we can step into situations where um, uh, with people, people around us, um, uh, fear leads the way. Hmm. And we see somebody living in a, life in a way that's contrary to us oftentimes fear and our defense mechanism pops up and we want to walk away. And I remember um, we'd gotten some pizza for a men's ministry event or something like that. And um, the guys came back and it was from Dahlias or something. And uh, they were late because uh, as they described, this goth kid was mm. at the counter and holding us up. And um, and I'm sure you know, you, you've seen this style of dress, right? And um, oftentimes it can be so easily like you can so easily dismiss somebody like that, especially if they're 16 years old, um, wearing the black, tattoos, piercings, slick hair, um, that whole thing. My hope is this, is that if we are trying to draw nearer to Jesus and finding our identity in him and not trying to find our identity in other places, when we walk into positions mm. where we see somebody who's living a life that is contrary to who we are, the hope is, is that we can practice Moving away from fear into moving towards compassion and grace by looking past the surface. We were talking about that earlier. That this young boy, um, maybe I can look at him and the way he's dressed and ask the question, What's going on at home? And if I can think about my own experience, I can maybe give him the benefit of the doubt and say, What's going on at home? What's happening with dad? What's happening in mom? What are the different steps that led to this kid? And then the next time, I see someone who's living a life contrary to me, I might have the courage to be a little bit interested and even take a step further and ask how they're doing. And then the next time, if it's at work or in business when I'm when I'm put in a position where I have to do business or talk to somebody who's living a lifestyle contrary to me, all of a sudden compassion and grace is a badge on my chest and I'm not on the defense anymore. I'm not fearful. I'm actively pursuing this person in the name of Jesus. It's a it's a step by step process. Yeah.
0: Well, I think one of the things that even ties in with what we're talking about with that is, that's very difficult to do if, once again, if you don't know who you are. Right. Because often, and and maybe not with the goth kid, or or maybe there was a sense of like the fact that that person is living differently than me makes me feel like I'm under threat. Right. Um, this certainly happens politically. Sure. We you know where there's a sense of all right, that this person is now saying something that threatens my political allegiances and my political leanings, and there can be this real panic that Mm -hmm. ends up happening that on the surface you'd say, that's irrational panic. Why are you this upset? But I think it is because like my my whole sense of who I am is now being up for grabs and I don't know what to do with this. Where if we were looking at, you know, our positions on whether it's gun control, school choice, any number of these things and holding loosely and saying, these are opinions, I'm looking to have them informed by scripture. But if I find somebody making a different argument or if suddenly I'm thinking maybe i need to rethink this it's not our entire world falling apart because we know who we are we we know that we're children of god we know that that we belong and us finding out that we've been wrong about something is not going to devastate devastate our entire existence
1: yeah absolutely and and you brought up one of the biggest things you know leading up into the uh the two goals um to be able to have a real and meaningful presence for those seeking the lord on the internet and for those who know the Lord on the internet through LBF Church's uh, website and online presence, but then more importantly, focusing on what it means to have a real and true and meaningful biblical worldview in the face of a world that wants to distract us with custom, culture, and especially in the past year and a half, political ideology. Absolutely. And and we have seen it. Now, specifically to custom and culture, dude, you and I have watched custom and culture um, distract us from one another for years at LBF Church, from little things to big things. And it's always, it's often never risen to the surface. Um, but they've been there. Um, one of the things that, uh, we, we laughed about at the Life Group Leadership Training was how, for some reason, the culture of our church, people like to park their cars backwards into their spots <laughs> on Sunday morning. And it all, oftentimes hold, holds people up. Mm. It's something that LBF does. Wh- what are we doing here? I'm always, I, I don't park my car backwards. I just pull right in. But uh, I just laugh at the men's ministry guys who've got to find a way <laughs> to slow down, hold everybody up as they park their car backwards. It's the custom and culture of our church. From the way we dress, and this has come up recently a lot, um, we're very much a flip-flops and shorts mm-hmm. church, and um, and if you were here for that 50th anniversary, you'll know why we are very much a flip-flops and shorts church. Because this church was started by a bunch of college students who wanted
0: to love the Lord mm-hmm. and who apparently rarely wore shirts yeah. if they were guys. Because in those pictures, <laughs> there's no shirts. I'm like, w- were these guys poor? They just didn't own shirts well, back then. All those
1: mustaches. They felt <laughs> That's so secure. Right. You know hiding behind that mustache yeah i mean that's who this church is and it's it would be so easy and we've seen this before where somebody comes from another church and says i can't believe the way you dress over here Mm -hmm. and um for them they're they're looking at our church and saying oh my gosh what a liberal church i would never want to be part of this church yet even with that person they're coming they're not coming from um uh, i don't think they're twisting their mustache in a basement figuring out how to try to be mean-spirited they grew up in a customer culture that we're dressing the way you dress at church was really important. A lot of us grew up in a culture that For way, sure. you know, and then this year, of course, political ideology has been that thing, which has really created divisions within us. But here's, here's the hope. The hope is, is that if our biblical worldview as Christians is grounded in believing that the Bible is the holy inspired word of God, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that, uh, we have one God in three persons that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day to defeat sin. What are we arguing over?
0: Yeah. What are we doing? Trifles.
1: What are we doing? It's all here. It's all, it's all in our scripture. Um, Jesus led a life uh, that ended in a sacrifice that we may be able to live a richer and fuller life through the salvation he gives us. He shows us an example of what it means to set, set, our needs aside for the needs of the person in front of us and we're going to argue over politics and where to park right no we need we need to remain unified because we have two specific most pointed ev- pieces of evidence the two most pointed pieces of evidence that of the life of Jesus right now is the bible and how you and I behave in front of people right and that carries a lot of weight
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, just to one-up what you were saying, I, I'm currently maybe a little more than halfway through just a, a short book on racial unity mm-hmm. within the church. And H.B. Charles, who's my favorite he's preacher great. in the country, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's—everybody, uh, if you take nothing else away from this episode, uh, YouTube H.B. Charles and just listen to his sermons. But in his article, um, he made a statement. I, I posted it on my social media, but— um, The basics of what he was saying is we'll never be truly unified across racial, political, any of these Mm -hmm. divides um, until we spend much more time talking about the profound truths of the gospel than we do talking about the issues that in our heads we believe are actually truly less important. Mm -hmm. The the bond that we have through the gospel is what unifies us. And if we start talking about gun control, yeah, we're going to be divided. We're allowed to be divided on that but we want at the center to be focused on Christ. And here's, I, I don't want to end this episode without talking about this. Um, many people might be listening to this and nodding along and saying, yep, I don't disagree with any of this. I believe that's important, but we all still know the pull of mm-hmm. we, we lose our way. We, we, we say my identity is meant to be grounded in Christ, but these other things are right before me. They're shiny. I get instant reward if I identify with these tribes. Um, what's a way, what's a way that Phil Shabazz tries to keep himself living in his identity in Christ and guarding against getting pulled in these different directions?
1: Um, it has been a, uh, it has been an exercise in recognizing triggers for Mm -hmm. me, recognize triggers. So right off the bat, um, still got a lot of work to do, but right off the bat, if I can recognize I'm getting angry at a person or I am getting to a place where I'm looking at a person or a group of people as the enemy or as a person who's coming to get me or as a person who's coming to destroy me or destroy the people around me. Dan, I immediately know that is not coming from my savior. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not. My hope is that if it's coming from my savior, I'm gonna recognize it as joyful, as pointed towards something positive, as pointed towards something life-giving. That's what I'm looking for. And it does not mean that we don't get into situations and issues and arguments and problems over the course of our daily lives. But if if I'm getting to a place where I am trying to mark someone as the enemy and call them out as the enemy, other people, that is is coming from the enemy, Hmm. who wants to make sure that I direct my heart not towards faith in Jesus that has knees at the cross, but towards people being the enemy when he is distracting us. And Revelation 13 has a lot to say about this, where the the, the dragon comes with two beasts who mimic the Trinity. Mm-hmm. They're mimicking the Trinity in an effort that we might take away our worship from Jesus and give it to the state or give it to organized religion. It is a distraction. And as a result, I know that if if if, if my heart... Is not pointed pointed towards joy, or pointed towards service to somebody. Um, in in the mo- most difficult moments, w- when it really does count, I know it's not coming from my 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 savior, man.
0: Yeah, and and that's huge. I I love that you talked about that. Um, I I was reflecting on this question too, just thinking how how do we do this? And one of the things that occurred to me is just, we our identity is something we receive. Mm-hmm. So first, all right. So our identity is something that we receive. Um, as much as many of us, and maybe this is even more a, a guy thing, we like to think of ourselves as self-sufficient. Um, we need other people to tell us who we are. Mm-hmm. Now, the challenge is that if you're looking all around, like I was talking about, you know, the the young guy and girl, like, please tell me who I am. It, it's unhealthy to be desperately needing somebody else to give you their evaluation of you so that you know that you're okay in the world. But at the same time, th- this is part of the body of Christ is that we'd have people around us to tell us the truth about who we are because we read it in the scripture and we need to yeah, and that's deeply meaningful, but there's something about hearing it from somebody else that makes it that makes it something that you can really dare to believe mm-hmm. um I'll, I'll never forget that this one time um that was years and years ago. I was sitting down with um, with this woman who uh, just was crushed with guilt about her past. Um, and, and to some degree, she wasn't crazy for having baggage with her past. She, yeah. She'd had um, committed adultery multiple times with different mm-hmm. husbands. Mm-hmm. She had an abortion or, or, or maybe multiple ones in the past. Mm-hmm. She had some heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And what we ended up doing over the course of a couple sessions just just together, I don't know why I called them sessions, but just meetings yeah. together, So I sat down with her and just read scripture to her about who she was as a believer in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there were times that it seemed like it worked and times that it seemed like it didn't. But there was this one time where, I I don't even remember which passage I was reading, but I read some passage about her being deeply loved by God Mm -hmm. as his beloved, as Mm -hmm. his child now. And I just said to her, I, I said her name and then I said, do you know that, God deeply deeply loves you and knows all of your baggage. Um and this sort of just tired bitter face suddenly looked up and she became beautiful in this moment. That the transformation it, like I get chills talking about it. it was shocking. Now she could have been like yeah, I've read that in the Bible I know that hearing the words from a brother or sister in Christ is so powerful. And it's a gift we can give to others, as you've Mm -hmm. talked a lot about. It's also a gift we need to receive, man. We need to be in life groups. We need to be in Bible studies. We need to have Christian friends. And we need to say these words to one another because there's something powerful when we speak God's truth about this to one another. Suddenly, the appeal of looking to a faker, looking to a counterfeit to tell us who we are, that dissipates because... We know who we are. God's told us who we are. And this other person also reminded us yeah. of what God says about who we are. Yeah. And that's deeply powerful.
1: What a wonderful picture you just painted yeah. of a woman making her way back to the cross right in front of you. Absolutely. And um, we talked about it earlier. Uh, Satan wants to make sure we are isolated. If we're isolated, there's no way we can see that cross. There's no way we can way we can make ourselves back. And when we're isolated, he can make sure that all those sins of the past just engulf us and pull us down, right? When scripture is clear, our sins are forgiven through faith in Jesus, past, present, and future, right? And that's why we talk so much about what it means to be Velcroed to God's word mm-hmm. and Velcroed to other Christians. Because if we are, we are Velcroed to the truth and we are Velcroed to people who are going to love and support us when we are in our most difficult situation. And if we're isolated, we can't have those two support
0: systems, which are so important. In yeah, our lives. no, well said. Um, and we're, we're going to end our discussion here, even though I'm, I'm already in my head thinking about part two, where maybe we delve yeah. into some more things cause there's so much to talk about this with, but, but Phil, thanks so much for sharing this and for helping us to, to try to grasp this idea that we all want to live in. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate yeah. it. And thank you so much to, to all of you who listened or watched. Um, we love interactions, so we'd love comments or feedback, Um, love ideas for topics that that you say, can you guys talk about this? Because I I feel like people would really benefit from that. We love that, whether it's when we post these on social media or when we post them on YouTube. So thanks for taking the time to to listen um, and to watch. Uh, Until next time, thanks so much for participating in the Christian Contrast.